This is the Dafyomi Masechta Review, Masechta Babakama, tape number one. This review is only meant for people who learn Dafyomi on a regular basis or those who have learned through the Masechta. It is the goal of this review to be as accurate as possible in summarizing the highlights and key kalalim of the Masechta. However, it is possible that on occasion something will not be reflected correctly. For subscription information, call us toll-free at 1-888-DAFYOMI or write DAFYOMI Tapes, P.O. Box 831, Muncie, New York, 10952. This tape is dedicated in memory of Ha'isha Fredel Bas Moshe Katz, Zichrona Livrocha. Our Magid is Rabbi Yossi Heber. Before we begin Mesechta Babakama, which is the first Mesechta in Seder Nezikin, let us give a brief hakdama. Seder Nezikin deals with the halachas of Mamanus. Babakama means the first gate. It is the first gate of three gates, Babakama, Babamitsiya, and Babasra. Babakama deals primarily with the laws of damages and the money a person owes to another because of these damages. Damages can be caused not only by a balabayas, but by things that he owns as well, for example, his animal. The psukim related to these damages in the upcoming Mishnah are found primarily in Parshish Mishpatim. Through all these psukim, we come out with six different types of damages. Eventually, the Gemara will condense these into four types of damages. Three of these six are damages done by an ox or an animal, and three of these are done by a person. The first of these six special categories is called keren. These are damages caused by goring, the common denominator of all cases of Karen is that it was kavanasoi lahazik, the animal had specific kavana to do the damage. The second category is shane, eating and causing damages through the eating. The common denominator in all cases of shane is yesh hana lahazikai, the animal actually had enjoyment as he was doing the damage, because he was eating, for example. The third category is regal, this is when an animal stamps or stamps on property. Common denominator here is Hezeka Motsui, something which is commonly done and commonly found. The fourth category is that a person digs a hole and someone falls in. The fifth category is fire. A person starts a fire and then it goes and destroys other things. And lastly, the sixth category is a person who causes damage by himself. Since these are all separate categories, these six categories, the halachas are all very different. A key din within Karen is whether the goring animal is a tam or a muad. If it's a tam that it gored only once or twice, in other words, these were just isolated incidences, then the baal, the owner, pays only chatzinezek, half of the damages that were done. But once it gores a third time, which is called a muad, then it's something which is a shchiach, it's something which the animal does quite a bit, because if it gores three times, it obviously is in the habit of doing this. Then the owner has to pay nezek shalom. He has to pay the full value of the damage. In all other categories, the other five categories, there is no difference between the first offense and subsequent offenses. The damage paid is always the full value of the damage. And now let's begin the Mishnah here at the beginning of Masechtas Babakama, the beginning of Daf Beis Amar And the Mishnah says, Arba Avais Nezikin. There are four fathers of damages, i.e. there are four specific categories of damages. Number one, shore, an animal. Number two, boar, a pit. Number three, Mava. This is a machlekis in the Gemara. Either it means Shane or it means a person. And number four, Hever, which is a fire. Then the Mishnah says Shar and Mava are really separate cases. That's why we had to mention both of them. And the Torah had to discuss both of these separately. Because a Shar actually has a Chumrah over Mava. And Mava 
as a chumra over shor. I, the Mishnah asks, why do we need fire written in the Torah at all? Mishnah answers, since there is a chumra by Esh versus shor and mava. Since Esh doesn't have ruach chayim, I would think you wouldn't have to pay for damages, because it doesn't have life. Kamash Milan, you still have to pay for damages. And why do we need bor, especially in the Mishnah? Because since the bor doesn't travel, it doesn't move, and the others do, I would think that you'd be putter from paying if your bor damages. Kamash Milan, you still have to pay, even though the bor doesn't move, you still have to pay for damages anyway. The Tzadashava in all of these four cases is that they're all capable of causing damages, and all four of them you're chayev to watch, and all four of them, if you damage, you must pay the value of the damage. The damage has to be paid either with money, or if you don't pay with money, with metav ha'aretz, with real estate, the best of your land. If, however, you pay with real estate, it must be with the best quality land, not beninus, which is middle quality land, or ziburius, which is lower quality land. Taisus explains that the reason we need four specific psukim to teach us these halachas, and you wouldn't be able to learn one from the other, via Kalvachimer, is due to the klal of Ein Einshin Minadin. As we see from the Gemara in Makastafhe, that we cannot inflict punishment on a person via halacha, which is learned from a Kalvachimer. Taisus deduces from our Mishnah that the principle of Ein Einshin Minadin is limited to penalties of a capital nature, but not to penalties that have to do with mumminus. For otherwise, there would be no need for the Mishnah to consider the possibility of learning one type of mazik from another. This Mishnah, says Taisvis, is proof that ancient mammon minadin, monetary laws, can be inferred via Kalvachimer. Taisvis, however, notes that not everybody agrees with this. He mentions the Mechilta, who indicates, contrary to our Mishnah, that due to the principle of ein ancient minadin, even penalties of a monetary nature cannot be derived via a Kalvachimer. And the Gemara says, since the Mishnah called these four damages avais, general categories, there must also be toldos, children of these avais, that are more specific. As we see from Hilcha Shabbos, that there are 39 malachas that are called avais, but other children malachas that are called toldos, and are similar in nature to the avas, in that if one does it b'mezid, the punishment is misa, and if it's done b'shaygig, the transgression must bring a carbon chatas. But they are different, that you, if you do two avais or two toldos, you're chayav and two karbanas. But if you do an av and its own tolda, you're only chayav for one carbon. However, by tuma, we say tolda sehem lav kiyetzevahem. The toldas are very different from their avais. How so? A person who is an av hatuma can be metame, odam and kalim, if he touches them. But a tolda can only be metame, eichel mashkin, but cannot inflict tuma on odam the kalim. The Gemara says the damage of Karen is learned from Shmos Chaf Aleph, the Pasuk of Kiyigach. And since goring is always with a horn, the term karen is used. We can also learn it from the bracha given to Yosef. Bechar shara hadrullah, bekarnei re'eim karnav bahem amim yenagach. The Gemara asks, what exactly are the toldos of karen? Negicha, goring. Number one, negifa, which is collision. Number two, neshicha, biting. Number three, revitza, laying on something with force. And number four, ve'ita, kicking. Gemara if an axe became a muad by goring a certain thing, for example, an axe, if it now gores something else, for example, a person for the first time, it now is a tam vis-a-vis the person, since it's more difficult to gore a man than to gore an animal. Gemara asks, why are revitza and bi'ita considered toldos of karen? Why aren't they toldos of regal, since they were done with the feet? Gemara answers, because the key characteristic of regal is not that it was done with a foot, but rather that it's hezeka motzoi. It's common since the animal does it, b'derech agav, when it walks. Karen's key characteristic is kavanasi lahazik. It has kavanah to do it. 
This is how revitza, laying, and bi'ita, kicking, are done. They're done with kavana. That's why they're called a toldos of karen. The av of shein and regal are learned from mishpatim. Ki yaver ish sada karen, the shilach es bi'irai, ubir bistei acher. Regal is learned from a shilach. He sent out his behema. And uvier is how we learn shein, since the cow now ate someone else's field. Tafkimo. If an animal damages a field via shein, eating, the owner is chayef to pay whether it was mekalya karna, it ate the whole thing, and it's also mechayef to pay if it was shalei mekalya karna, it didn't eat the whole thing. And this same halacha also applies to regal. The Gemara says, just like by shein, you're chayef to pay if you sent the animal, or if it went by itself, so too by regal, you're mechayef to pay whether you sent the animal, or if it went by itself. The key characteristic of shein is yesh hana lehezeka, the damager has hana from the experience. It's not just that the damage was done, but there was also hana to be had. What is the tolda of shame? The more answers, if it scratches its back against the wall, or if it got Paris dirty by rolling on them. These are yesh hana lehezeka. The animal has hana from his actions. The sma in Cheshen Mishpat, Simen Shin Tzadik Aleph, Sifkat and Dalet, discusses a case in which an animal rubs or scratches himself on another animal instead of scratching himself on a wall. He concludes that the Gemara specifically cited the example of a wall because if an animal scratches itself on another animal and causes damage, we attribute the animal's actions to kavana lahazik, an intent to cause damage, and not therefore for hana. Therefore, he says that in such a case, this case would be included under the category of karen and not under the category of shein. Consequently, there's an afkamina between whether they pay chatzin nezik or nezik shalat. The Taz, however, disagrees and says that when we're not sure, we attribute an animal's motive to pleasure, i.e. shein, rather than the specific intent to damage, i.e. karen, because shein is something which is routine, and it's therefore more likely than karen, which is considered to be mishuna, something which is out of the ordinary. The exact nature of tinfa peris lahanosa, which is when the animal rolls in the peris, dirtying the fruit for pleasure, that's a machlekes rishain. The teisvishans, which is brought in the shita mekubetzas, explains that the animal soiled the fruit by walking on them in order to cool itself off. The Rach, however, gives a different explanation. He says that the animal soiled the fruit by relieving itself on them. He explains that since withholding from relieving itself at that point on the fruit would cause the animal discomfort, it's considered hanolazeka to relieve themselves, which is therefore deriving pleasure from the damage, and therefore that's considered part of shame. Yeshanolazeka. The Gemara says a boar which is ten tefachim deep can cause death to an animal which falls in. And if it's less than ten tefachim deep, it can only hurt an animal if the animal falls in. The Gemara asks, what is the tolda of boar? It answers, if a man left a chafetz in the street and someone fell over it and got hurt. The key characteristic of boar is that it's something which is made to cause damage, and you're mechuyev to watch it carefully so no one gets hurt on it, and if someone does, you're mechuyev to pay damages for it. The klala is Adam Mu'ad Lo'ilam. A man, whether he is awake or asleep, is responsible for damages which are caused by him. Although most toldos de regal are similar to the Av of regal, one of them is different. This is the tolda of Chatzinezek Tsreiris. Half damage you have to pay if the animal causes damage by stepping on a pebble, and this pebble went flying and hurt someone. Since the animal is a tam, and this happened via something which is not shchiach, because it's not shchiach for an animal to step on something and it goes flying in that way, the owner should really be putter. But there's a halacha l'mayshem Sinai that says chatzinezek is chayef. He's chayef chatzinezek in the case of chatzinezek treiros. Mashenkin, a regular told the regal, is considered chayef nezek shalem. If treiros pay only chatzinezek, 
Why is it considered a tolda of regal, which pays Nezek Shalim? Gemara answers, since it's pater b'rishus harabim, just like regal is. It's only chayef if it went into a rishus hayachin. Finally, what is mava, the av of mava? Rav says this is damage caused by a person, and Shmuel says this is damage caused by the shame of an animal. Daftalit. If a man damages another man, he must not only pay for nezek, the damage itself, but he has to also pay for the arba devarim, tsar, which is for pain, ripoy, which is for the hospital bills to get, make him get better, sheves, which is unemployment, and baishas, which is shame. He has to pay for these four things as well. Masha'enkein, if an animal damages a man, the owner pays only for nezek, not for anything else. There are 13 avais deziken, including four people who watch items. Number one, a shemachina, person who watches items for free. He only pays if he is negligent, and then damages occur. This is called pshia. Number two, a shayel. This is a borrower who borrows something without paying for the benefit of borrowing the item. He's chayef for everything that happens to the item, even for an inus. He's only putter if the damage is via the normal, everyday cause of work, which is called mesa machmas melacha. Number three, shemer sachar. He charges for watching it. So he's only chayev if he's negligent, or if the item is stolen or lost. But he's putter for an inus. And finally, a seicher. Same din as the shemer sachar. In addition to these four, we have the damages of nezek, tsar, ripoy, sheves, and baishas, plus the four from our Mishnah. This is a total of 13. Rabbi says there are 24 types of damage payments one could be mechuyev to pay. Number one, kefil. If a person stole something in a quiet way, then he must pay the principal times two. Number two, arba v'chamisha. If one stole an ox or a sheep and sold or shechted it, then he must pay dalad v'hei, four or five times the amount of the principal item that he stole. Number three, a ganif. Number four, a gazlan. This is a person who steals wide out in the open. Number five, edim zaymimen who get caught because other Edim say Imanu Hayisa. So these Edim must pay Kasher Zama. They must pay what they wanted to do to the other people. Number six, an Ainus. If one forces a woman to have relations, then he must pay Hamishim Kesef. Number seven, Mefata. If a person convinces a woman to do the Avera, then he must also pay Hamishim Kesef. Number eight, if a man is Maitsi Shemra on his wife, that she wasn't a Basula, so she must have been Mizana after Kedushin, but this all wasn't true, then he has to pay Mea Kesef. Number nine, if a person is metama, someone else's objects. Number ten, medama, that person mixes truma into someone else's chulin, thereby passeling everything. Number eleven, menasech, pouring someone else's wine, tavoidizara, so it becomes yayanesach. And now it is osr bahana, so you must pay for these damages. These eleven items plus the thirteen of Rabbi Ishiya is equal to the total of twenty-four. And Rabbi Ishiya didn't learn these extra eleven since these 11 are knasim, and he only wanted to learn regular cases of mamanus. Dafe. If a person causes damages with can't, which can't really be noticed, as a machlek is if a person is chayev or not. Hezek she'en in nikr, shmei hezek, or loy shmei hezek. For example, the yayinesach, when a person does something to yayinesach, you can't really tell from the wine itself whether there's anything wrong with it. So this is considered a hezek she'en in nikr. The Gemara asks, why doesn't the Torah just write shor and mava? And let's learn esh out from those two. Or answer, since Shore and Mava have Ruach Chaim, have life, while Eish does not have life. I, why doesn't the Torah just write Bor, and one other of these cases, and use a Mamatsinu to learn all the others? A Mamatsinu, by the way, is when case A has a Chumrah, case B doesn't. So we find a third case that has the same din as A, that doesn't have the Chumrah of A, which can prove 
that the uniqueness of case A doesn't come from the Chumra aspect of A, but rather it Stam comes. So i.e. this is called Zayechiyach. Then you can learn out other cases from case A without having to deal with the Chumra aspect. And then we find a Chumra from case number 3 to put back on case A, and we go back and forth, which would allow us to learn case B from case number 3 and case number A. So as long as all three have something in common. So the Gemara wants to use the same logic here by the cases of Arba Aves Nezikim, and learn all cases from Bor and one other case, except for Karen, which we cannot learn. So Taka, why didn't we do this? Our answer is the Torah needed to specifically mention Karen to teach us the difference between Tam and Muad. Specifically, Shein Beregel to teach us that they're Pater Bishus Harabim. Bor teaches us Pater Bikelem. And according to Rabbi Yehuda, who says Yerchayev on Bor, for Niske Kelem, the Chiddush of Bor was to tell us that Odam is Chayev in more than just Nezek, i.e. he's also Mechuyev in Tzar, Ripu Shevaz and Boshes, etc. And Aish is coming to tell us that Aish is Pater from Tomun, from hidden objects. Dafav. The four cases of Nezikin have a Tzar Shava, a common denominator. Their derech is to damage, and you must carefully watch them. What then is the Chiddush of our Mishnah? Rava says it's coming to include a boar that was moved by someone else's feet before it did damage. A person can open up his pipes and clear the rubbish into Rishus Harabim only in the winter, not in the summer, since in the winter the streets are already full of ice and water. However, even in the winter, if this rubbish damages someone, the owner is chayev for Hezek. If a person's tree or wall fell into a Rishus Harabim, and Bezdin gives you a specific amount of time to clean it up, if it damaged before the time limit, he's putter from paying damages. If, however, he waited beyond the time limit and then it does damage, then he's chayev, since his time deadline ran out. When a person damages, he must pay from the best land. Metav sodeyu umetav karma yishalim. Rabbi Shmuel says, the metav is the metav of the one who was actually damaged. Bidinizik shamina. Rabbi Akiva says, this metav, which we're referring to, is the metav, the best of his own land. Bidamazik shamina person who actually did the damage. If a man decided to give 100 zuzim to Hektish, he must pay it with Idis land, with the best quality land that he has, since it's a Kalvachemer from Nezikin. If when you do damage, you pay with the best land, for sure if you give to Hektish, you must give the best land. In fact, Rav Shimon ben Yunasya says that if a regular Tam animal gores a Hektish animal, you must pay Nezik Shalem from the Idis, from the Idis, which is the best land. I'm saying. One Pasuk, Metav Sadeu, is mashma that the Mazak must pay Idus, the best land. This is if we force him to pay, then he has to pay the best land. If, however, he pays on his own, he comes forward and he says he needs to pay because he did damage, but we don't actually force him, then he can pay with a lesser quality field. This is learned from the Pasuk of Yashiv, which includes Shavakasif and Subin, low quality land. The Gemara says land goes up in price in Nisan, but goes down in price in Tishrei. And in the Kuntras al Hadaf, they bring the Gemara in Peah Dafches. In order for one to be considered an Oni, a poor person, and be entitled to Maiseroni and Leket Shikho Peah, he must have less than 200 Zuzim. The Gemara discusses whether one can collect Maiseroni if he owns real estate worth more than 200 Zuzim, but encounters difficulty in selling it for its real, mal- real value. The Gemara says that if the general real estate market at the time is depressed, then undoubtedly he is entitled to Maiseroni since the market value of the property at this point is less than 200 zuzim. However, if the general real estate market has not dropped, but a specific person, due to his desperation to sell his field, cannot get a fair price, then the Gemara says that he is not considered to be an Ani and cannot collect Maiser Ani. It's important to point out the Shita of the Birka Savram, who clarifies this by saying that poverty guidelines are determined by the amount of assets one has, 
even if they are not liquid assets. As long as one has assets currently valued at 200 zuzim, he's considered to be above the poverty line, regardless of the fact that he personally is experiencing difficulty in selling his property at a fair price. The Gemara says, although a mazik pays idis, the best quality land, and a balchayv pays beninus, middle quality land, a ksuba is paid biziburius, with the lowest quality land. But if she wants to make a deal to get better land, but less of it, she can propose this as well if she wants to. The Gemara says we want to assess the value of property for the purpose of damages. It's a machlekes if we say, bidinizik shaminin, we look for the idis of the person who was actually damaged, or we say, bidamazik shaminin, we look for the idis, the best quality land, of the one who did the damage. An afkamina would be if the idis of the nizik is worth the same as the ziburius of the mazik. So if we say bid a nizik shaminan, he would pay the idis. But if we say bid a mazik shaminan, the quality of the land would have to be much better, since this land is only ziburius of the mazik. Tafchas. Ula says mida raisa, a balchayev can only collect from ziburius. But the rabbanan made a takana that a balchayev can collect from beninus, from land which is better than the ziburius. Otherwise, if the Balchayev knew he was only going to be getting back the worst quality land, the Ziburius, he would never want to lend money. And we want to be sure that when people need to borrow money, it's readily available. Because we're afraid that the door of borrowing and lending money would be closed in front of people who need to borrow money if the people who were collecting the money would only be getting Ziburius. The Gemara says if a man had all three types of land and he sold the land to three different people, so the person who's collecting for Nezek can collect from Edis. The Balchayv would collect from Beninus, and the person, who, the woman who was collecting her Ksuba would collect from Ziburius. But if the Edis was sold on Sunday, Beninus was sold on Monday, and Ziburius was sold on Tuesday, the people who are being Taivea can only collect from the last sale, since we say, You only go back as far as the last thing that was available. You don't go as far back as other things before that. So if there isn't enough land, then you go back to the one sold just before the last one. The case of an Argamar, specifically, is if Edis was bought last, and the reason a buyer doesn't have to give them all Edis is because he can say, If you take what you're entitled to, then you'll get what you're entitled to. In other words, the Mazik gets Edis, the Balchayv gets Beninus, and the woman who's collecting Ksuba gets Ziburius. However, if you don't want to take what you're entitled to, I'll sell all the Ziburius. This will be the last thing that got sold, and you'll all get stuck with Ziburius, because they'll have to all be Tevea from the last thing that was sold. Then the Gemara asks, what if there is no Beninus? I.e., he had Beninus and Idus, but he sold it, and now he's left only with Ziburius. Then the Gemara says the Balchayv must settle for Ziburius, for the poor quality fields. Nevertheless, in a case where subsequent to taking the loan, the Leva sells his best quality fields, the Malva does not lose his right to collect the Beninus fields, i.e. the fields that were considered Beninus at the time of the loan, even though now they're considered the Leva's best fields. What about a case where the Leva's Edis fields got ruined by a flood subsequent to the loan, leaving him with only Beninus and Ziburius? There's a machlekes between the Nesivus and the Arsameach. Ayin Shah. The Gemara says if a particular case where a takanas chachamim was meant for a person's benefit, and in a certain instances it works to their disadvantage, this person can forego the takana. For example, a wife, there's a takana that says that a wife gets mezainus from her husband. This is a takanas chachamim, and it's in exchange for her maiseyadayim. But if the wife has a good job with a high salary, she can waive her right to get food if she wants to, and she doesn't have to do work for him. As Rava said, Rava said, if Ruvain sold all of his land to Shimon, and Shimon sold a field to Levi, the Malav of Ruvain comes to collect. Who does he collect from? 
Gemara answers, he collects from either one, since all the land was meshubed to him. Abaya said, Ruvain sold land to Shimon with Achrayas, i.e. guaranteed. If it's taken from you, I'll replace it. The Malva of Ruvain came to take land from Shimon. Since Ruvain owed him money, Ruvain can come to try and refute the loan, i.e. say I already paid up. And the Malva cannot say to Ruvain, this is all none of your business. A person is kind of a field via Chazaka from the moment he steps on the field. Taisvah says that he really already owned the field before he stepped on it, because we know from Baba Basra that to be kind of a field via Chazaka, you need more than just stepping on it. Ravasi says, Money has the same din as Karka regarding two brothers who split up their father's estate. One took cash and the other took Karka. So if a Balchayv comes and collects from the Karka, they must re-split the cash into half. But the Gemara questions this, since Shmuel says once the money is split, they're now not considered Yarshim, but rather they're considered Lekuchais, since each is taking their own type of a risk. The cash taker risks the money being stolen, and the land taker risks a Balchayv coming and taking it away because it was Meshubit. So he says, basically, according to this Shita of Shmuel, that you would not have to re-split the money once a Balchayv comes, because each of them took their own risks, and now it's just tough luck for the person who lost the land due to the Balchayv. Reb Zerah said, the name of Reb Puna, when one does a mitzvah, he must give up a shlish, one-third of his possessions. Meaning that when doing a mitzvah, one must go out of his way to do it in a beautiful way. And hidr mitzvah is ad shlish, is up to one-third. Rashi explains that hidr mitzvah ad shlish means that if a person has between, to choose between two items for a mitzvah, an average item and a nicer one, for example, say for Torah or an esrog, a person has an average esrog and then he has a better esrog, he should buy the nicer one, as we see from the Gemara and Shabbos, Daf Kuflam and Gimel, from the Pasuk of Zekeli Vanveyu, that one should be Hisna Lefana B'mitzvahs, make yourself nice in front of Hashem with mitzvahs. However, one is only obligated to spend up to one-third more than the regular price in order to be Yitzah this mitzvah of Hidr mitzvah. Taisvis learns that the Pshat and Ad Shlish is referring to size. If given a choice between two Esregim, a smaller one and a larger one, he should buy the one which is larger, up to one-third larger than the minimum shear. When we say Hidr Mitzvah Ad Shlish, does it mean Shlish Milagav from the inside, i.e. if an Esrog costs $30, you must add one-third to the inside amount, for example, another $10, so therefore you must spend $40 in total? Or do we say Hidr Mitzvah Ad Shlish means Shlish Milabar, one-third from the outside, meaning it has to be one-third of the new total? In other words, if it's if, uh, $15 is one-third of the new total of this item, $45, then a person must spend $45 in order to be yait to this mitzvah. The one-third is referring to the $15 of the $45. So this is actually now a higher amount. Gemara says, this is teku. Finally, Reb Zera says, in, on this Hidra Mitzvah Ad Shlish, Ad Shlish Mishaloi, Mikan V'elech Mishal HaKadosh Baruch Up until one-third from his own, afterwards from HaKadosh Baruch Kuntras Al-Hadaf brings numerous explanations for this Gemara. Firstly, Rashi and Taisvis, they interpret this to mean that a person receives his reward for fulfilling Hidra Mitzvah in Olam Haba, the world to come, like most other mitzvahs. However, if one spends money over and above the required third, as we mentioned before, he will be rewarded even in Olam Hazeh, in this world, as well as in Olam Haba. The Rach, however, offers an alternate interpretation. He says that one is exempt from spending more than a third for Hidra Mitzvah only in ordinary circumstances, where one's money is Mishalai, as a result of his own labor. However, where one has ample money, Mishal HaKadosh Baruch which came as a gift to him from Hashem, meaning to say that he did not have to work for his money, but rather received it as a gift or as a Yerusha, then he is required to spend even more than a third for Hidra Mitzvah. The Ramah interprets the Gemara similar to the Rach, 
which is also brought in the Mukha Yasef. However, he extends Mishah HaKadosh Baruch to include any wealth that a person acquires, whether earned through his own work or not. He argues that after all, it is Hashem who gives one his strength and the wherewithal to earn his money. Therefore, he says that the limitation of Shlish does not apply with respect to wealthy people, irrelevant of how they acquired their wealth. The Rakachover Gain, brought in Safnas Paneach, interprets Rav Zera as meaning that generally one must spend his own money, Mishaloi, for Hidra Mitzvah, not money which was earmarked for Meiser. However, he says, one may use Meiser money, Mishalak Harish Baruch for Hidra Mitzvah when spending in excess of the required Shlish. The next Mishnah. Anything a person is obligated to watch, if that thing damages, the owner is chayef to pay. If a person causes part of the damages, in many instances, he must pay the whole damages. Damages are only mechuyev to be paid on things that do not belong to hektish, property that belongs to a Jew, and property which is not considered hefker. The Mishnah continues and says one is always responsible for damages unless the damage happened in the property, within the property of the mazik. Let's say, for example, a person has a dog and it's within his property and an animal goes into this property of the mazik and the dog does damages. So then the mazik is not chayev. The person who owns the dog is not chayev. Since what was this cow doing walking into this dog's area. Cow should have been there in the first place. It should have been in the rishus of the mazik. In that case, the person would be putter. Finally, the Mishnah says when damages occur, the payment must be made with metav ha'aretz, with the best quality of land that a person owns.